0: All right, I have um, some questions to ask, okay? My question is, and I've got a mic, I'm a mic here, and you guys can be playing along with this game, yourself, in your own head. Face the audience, let them see your beautiful faces, come around, turn around, come here, step next to me, step back to me, come here, come here, come here. That is quite a little song and dance routine you've got there. So, um, what I want to ask, what I want to know is, what in your opinion makes someone a star? Okay, so think. I'm going to give you like 10 seconds here. Give everybody the brain juices. All right, all right. So let's go. What do you think makes someone a star? Their personality. Their personality. That's a great. That's a great answer. What do you think? Um, their heart. Their heart. What do you think makes someone a star? Great. Their their character. Their character. Nothing because people are just people. Nothing because, oh, I love this answer right here. The contrarian view. <laughs> High five. All right, you guys can sit down for a second, okay? You guys can sit down. That's all I needed was to get us going. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> now, first of all, those were some great Sunday school answers, weren't they? <laughs> it looks like a squirrel, but it's Jesus. No. All right, so. Um, we all have different opinions of what makes someone a star, right? Because we all have different uh, thoughts. We have different beliefs. We have different uh, upbringings and stuff. And so there's different things that make people a star. Uh, we just value different things. Who values sports? It's okay. I value sports. I have them a Home jersey, right? Like, if you value sports, you value teams, like, you're going to think what makes someone a star, right, is their athletic ability, right? So their, about, their hand-eye coordination, right? Their ability to throw a football a mile past those mountains, right? So there's lots of things that can make you feel make, you know, like a sports star. Um, but there's other act categories. If you value, maybe you don't value sports, and that's okay to not value sports. It's okay to not spend your time doing that. Maybe you value um, talents like acting and singing, right? Any actors and singers, uh, budding thespians right there? I love it, right? So maybe you value different things uh, that aren't sports. Maybe you value that. I just started watching a Netflix docu-series on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who knows Arnold? Who are my Arnold friends? Who doesn't know Arnold? Get to the chopper! (laughs) You don't know what that means, but your dad can tell you later, okay? So... I grew up at my house, like, and this, it was a little before my time, but I had the original Terminator on VHS, right? It's so, a, I'll be back and hasta la vista, baby, you know, and then there's Kindergarten Cop, right? It's not a Tuma, you know? They're doing this whole Netflix docuseries on Arnold, and I love it. I forgot how much I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I, who, who's watched it? Has anybody else watched it? You've been watching the Arnold? Oh my gosh, he's just, it's awesome. So, um, so if you value acting and talent, you value, um, maybe you value the grind and like working your way up. Like, so maybe you could, value, you look at somebody like Arnold and you think, wow, that's, that, that guy's got it right there. You know, no wonder he's got, you know, superstar, got his own docuseries. Um, maybe you value uh, video games. Who are my gamers in here? Gamers, got any gamers? You know some Twitch stars? Does anybody know any Twitch stars or YouTubers? I don't, because I don't value that. I'm sorry, but I know you do, and it's important. And so what we value absolutely plays a role in, in what we think makes someone a star. Another way we assign value, or I'll say this, one way we assign value in our culture and in who we are is, is applying labels, stickers, like, like the stars. This, this right here, all these fruits, they have a label on them, Right? And so, if I, it's a cutie. It's kind of cute. I get why they say that. I get why they went with that branding and label like that. And so, one way we assign value in our culture um, is, is through labels. And so, I can go and go to a superstore or supermarket and I can pick up a bag of oranges. And what's going to happen, right? If this is in its bag and it's got that UPC barcode on it, that sticker, I can scan it, right? And what's going to happen when I go and I scan it? It's going to tell me what? How much it costs how much it's worth, how much I have to pay to, to keep it. And so when we go to a supermarket, super we go to a grocery store, um, uh, labels tell us how much something is worth. It's interesting because labels, um, you know, are on all kinds of things. Almost everything we know and have in life is, is, is labeled, has some kind of sticker on it that tells us how much worth it is, even if it's something that looks exactly the same, like jeans, right, and clothing, I could buy a pair of jeans at one store that look exactly like this, black, right, and kind of faded, you know, and they could be worth X amount of dollars at this store, but if I go to another store, right, and it has a different brand name, right, and it has a different label, but it looks exactly the same, it's more valuable. Just by changing the label, just by changing the sticker on it, and that can apply to cars, that can apply to houses where we live, right? I can buy a house in one neighborhood, in one zip code that's labeled one zip code, and it's a four-bedroom, you know, three-bathroom. It's got backyard. And I take that exact same house, and I put it in a different zip code with a different label on it, and it's worth a different amount. See, one of the problems is labels tend to affect how much we think things are worth. And that gets transferred into how we look at each other. And so, my guess is one of the big problems uh, that you've experienced in your life with labels is you've been labeled. And that label that somebody stuck on you affected how you felt about yourself and how valuable you felt. Do I have anybody that's brave enough to share a label that maybe they had? Yeah, come on up here. What was somebody, somebody like a sticker or a name? here, wait, 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 you get the mic, bro, um, what about like a show, like, like something that somebody called you, something somebody called you, that you didn't like, stupid, there you go, right, that's a real thing, intelligence, some people, you know, we try and make each other feel small, by assaulting, you know, how smart or how stupid somebody is. And so you might have had your intelligence assaulted. You might have been called stupid or dumb because of any, any number of things. What's another label? Something somebody called you that you didn't like that made you not feel worth so much. Come on up here. Run up here. Come up here, Lily. Come here. Come on. Run, run, run. What's the label that somebody called you? When someone, someone else had a star here. When somebody else had a star here, that's a very fresh wound. That's a very fresh wound. That's on you. That's on you. I didn't come up with that. They just asked me to speak today, okay? It's not on me. Maybe a big kid and an adult. Can I get one adult to be brave and share a label that they had put on them? An adult. Who's a big kid that would? Back here. What's a label that, you, that affected your worth and value? Too sensitive. Too sensitive. Some of us are emotional creatures, right? Or I mean, we're all emotional creatures. We're not the Borg yet. AI's coming, though. So, um, so we have hearts. We have feelings. Sometimes, some of us have big feelings, and that's okay. But sometimes, maybe if you're a person that doesn't have big feelings, or you've not related to people with big feelings, you just haven't processed your own feelings, like, it can be hard. And so we have to learn how to adapt to that. There's problems with labels and stickers because they affect how we feel about ourselves. But I feel like as I get older and hopefully more mature, I'm more upset about how I label others. Because I have to recognize that I'm a culprit. I'm a part of that culture. And so I label people. And it happens so automatically. Let's just be honest. It's an automatic thing, right? When you look at somebody, you see how they dress, you see what job, they tell you what they do for a living, that's a label right so you're going to assume something about them because of what they do for a living you're going to assume something about people because of where they live who they're connected to and i think as i get older i get more convicted i get sadder about how easy it is for me to label other people even when i don't want to why do we do it why do we label people i think because we're insecure garrett says i don't know that's why you're here bro You're here to learn. (laughs) We feel, uh, you know, we're unaware. That's one reason why we label people, right? Just the family you grow up in. And I think that's like a really big cue for us as, as adults to realize that these guys, you know, are all precious sponges right? And so the homes we grow up in, the things we say, what we say about other people's, even if we think kids aren't listening, they're absorbing that information, and they're absorbing our viewpoint, and they're absorbing what we think about others and how we treat about others. And so they're going to grow up, and they're going to have certain biases just because of the homes they lived in. I mean, that's how we grew up. We have certain biases just because of how we grew up. So we're just unaware. We're unaware of the labeling we do. We're insecure, that speaks to me the most when I think about this. And, and being insecure, you try on other labels, especially when you get to adolescence. When I was in sixth grade, it was cool to get Jenko jeans. Who had a pair of Jenko's? Oh, the shame. I know, the shame. Right? <laughs> I had a pair of Jenko jeans because they were the cool thing to have. They had that label, right? They had that label. And I had uh, the first album I bought, the first CD I bought was Metallica ride the lightning. Don't laugh. It was cool, Josh. You, I know. Because it just looked cool. And so, like, I wanted to be this label, and I wore a lot of black clothes, and I had, like, a metal chain for my wallet, you know? Oh, don't shake your head, Nick. <laughs> it's like the youth of these days. <laughs> and then I went through, you know, into sports. And what's a big label if you're a sports player? You put on a what? Letter jacket. Right? And there's other than sports too. you know, when you get to high school, there's band and there's lots of other things. But that idea of school identity, and so you start wearing a letter jacket, right? And I went through that. I grew up in a rural country, a small town, and so I had steel-toed red-wing boots and wrangler jeans, y'all? I still like my jeans tight, guys. It's just part of the culture that I grew up in, all right? But there's a more greater reason, I think a more harmful reason maybe, why we uh, uh, fall into the trap of labeling others. And I think it's the trap that McBean fell into. And it's we want to get ahead in life. We want to get to the top of the mountain of whatever that looks like for us. We want a good life. We want a comfortable life. We want all the stuff in life. And so it becomes very easy to use labels... To make us feel better than others. And if I feel better than somebody else. If I feel superior to somebody else. If I feel like somebody else is inferior. I don't have to care about them as much. Because they're not as human as I am. And so I look at what McBean did. And I look at the story. And I look at the sneetches. And how the story is told is. These sneetches got problems. <laughs> like it's, it doesn't take. I mean it's, it's a children's level book here. Like what problem do they have? They, they're treating each other differently. Just because of Star. That's it. And so you've got one category of sneeches that has uh, the beaches and probably the best breeches. All right? I promised I wouldn't rhyme, but I couldn't help it. I couldn't help myself. (laughs) And you've got these other snitches that don't have a star. And their life is sad. And they know it. And there's this huge divide. And I think McBean missed an opportunity. McBean was smart enough. I mean, he makes that machine for crying out loud. He makes that machine. He could have used his skills. He could have used his talent. He could have used his creativity to bring them together. But what did he do? He used his talent. He used his creative genius. He used his resources to keep them divided so that as he climbed to the top of his own personal mountain, he could push other people down. And so he doesn't see sneetches as the beautiful creatures they are. He sees sneeches as an opportunity to push himself up, to make a buck, to get ahead in life. See, when we label others or we rely on the labels of others and, and think of them as their label, it gives us an opportunity to dehumanize them, to think of them as less than ourselves. We can think about people even as commodities Things we use to get ahead. We're getting ready to celebrate Juneteenth coming up next week. I did not grow up obviously uh, as an African American or, or part of the Black community. All right, I didn't know what Juneteenth was until a couple years ago. It took me looking it up, being concerned, you know, and be like, "What is this? What does this mean?" Obviously, it's important to a certain people group, but what does it really mean? And I had to look it up. I had to educate myself. To where uh, Juneteenth is celebrated. Because in 1863, January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was issued. Saying, you know, slaves are free now. But it took two and a half years. It took until June 19th, 1865 for that proclamation to get all the way to the reaches of slavery in America. And so for two and a half years... These people could have had that label of slavery torn off of them, and they had no idea, and their families lived in that for an extra two and a half years, and it's just sad. Do you know there's still five types of slavery that exist today in the United States? Domestic servitude, other kinds of human trafficking. My wife works with somebody here in the area, in the Northland area. It's called Relentless Pursuit. And I will send the link in an email tomorrow. Um, If you're not on our email list, you can get on it. Um, Just look at the announcements. But she works with people who escape human trafficking. It's right here in in our neighborhood. And she helps them get back on their feet once they rescue these people from human trafficking. See, when we label people, we can excuse ourselves from treating them with the dignity and beauty that God created them with. The same kind of dignity and beauty he created us with. That's what it means to be made in God's image, to have God's beauty inside of ourselves. And sin, I kind of came up with this definition, and I'm going to put it up here on a slide so we can think about this and have it definition for ourselves. Sin, our inner desire to put ourselves ahead of others at their cost, will take what is descriptive and turn it into what's destructive is we have this inner desire to put ourselves ahead of others. It's why we fight for the first hot roll that gets on the table. Right? <laughs> Who's got bread? You know, you grab that. It's why um, we felt satisfied, maybe, if we got a sucker and a star, and we didn't think anything was wrong over here. But Lily still has that fresh wound, right? <laughs> like, you didn't get that star, right? And you definitely felt like something was wrong, right? And so sin is this inner desire to put ourselves ahead of others even if it's at someone else's cost. And Jesus came to, to blow that out of the water. And that's what he talks about in the Good Samaritan passage. And so what I'm going to do is, is, I've already pre-selected my man, Peyton. Peyton, would you grab this blackboard and pull it up here? Just wheel it on up. What I'm going to do is, is I'm going to set up this scripture, the Good Samaritan, and then I'm going to read the Good Samaritan. And this is interactive. Any time in this, go ahead and just push it all the way down here. You got it, bro. There you go. So anytime when I read the scripture, or you read along all the way up here, keep coming all the way in the light. Anytime you hear a label in the story, and I'm going to be very generous with the word label. (laughs) If you hear a noun or an adjective, anything that is descriptive, that's perfect right there. Let's do it right like this. you're going to yell it out and Peyton's going to write it on the board because we're going to look at this. Now, before we put the scripture up there, I just want to read a couple verses in front of the Good Samaritan. So the Good Samaritan starts out with Jesus talking to someone, wondering if it's okay to label some people neighbor and some people not neighbor. So, uh, but right before the Good Samaritan, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, Well, what does the law of Moses say? That's basically like us here right now, is we're all kind of these people on a spiritual journey. We're wondering, what does it mean to be on a spiritual journey? What does it mean to know God? What does it mean to follow God? What does it mean to have God's beauty inside of myself, helping me flourish and contributing to the world to make it flourish? And Jesus basically says to this guy, He's like, Well go read your Bible. (laughs) Go read your law. You know, go read your scriptures. And the man answered, yeah, this is what it says. It says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is basically like, yeah, you did it. That's that's what you do. Do that and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He wants to know, how can I label some people close to me that I can love? And how can I excuse myself from loving others? And so I'm going to read the rest of the Good Samaritan right now. And anytime you hear something that represents a label, a name, a noun, an adjective, shout it out and we'll recognize it. And we're going to get a whole list going on up here right now. So I'm going to begin in verse 30. Luke 10, verse 30. We're going to put that scripture up. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man... (coughs) There it is, yep. Louder! There it is! A Jewish man... Man? That's I told you, we're going to be very generous so that everybody can participate up here, alright? A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem... Jerusalem. Down to... Who's reading ahead? (laughs) Down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Half dead. That's, that's descriptive. It wasn't, you know, three-quarters dead or five-sixteenths dead. Very distinctly half dead. By chance, a priest... Please, please. You're do, Hey, you're doing great. <laughs> I just want you to know that. You're doing great. A priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed. And if if we double up, just put like a check mark next to it. You don't have to write it all out again. The other side of the road and passed him by a temple assistant. Walked over and looked at him lying there, and he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan. Despised and Samaritan. Getting cramps at all yet? Are We good? Need a halftime? When a spy Samaritan came along and he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn. Donkey? I know I said I was going to be general, but considering the source, I'm just contextualizing right now. I'll leave that one to you. Okay. He put them on donkey and took him to an inn where he took care, took care of him there. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. Silver. That's a good one. You know what? I didn't even see that one the first time through. Way to go. Telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which bill, not, not, not William. No, not Bill. Which of these three would you say has been a neighbor? Neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, and Jesus asked, and the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, go and do this. I like that. Let's put Jesus up there. Put it big, go big. Go big or go home with Jesus, Peyton. Bandits. There we go. I love that. Thank you. Round of applause for Peyton. Thank you. In anything we do in life, we're going to come across labels. That's a given. There's no way around labels. There's no way around our differences. And we should recognize differences. But when we start treating people as a label, we fail at, at a few things here. One is we fail to understand the whole picture and the whole story of who they really are and what's gone in their life. Labels only capture a, a, a small piece that name is just a small thing, right? So we could look at this and we could, we could label somebody Jewish. That comes with a certain set of assumptions. What it means to be a man. That comes, yeah, comes with some assumptions, right? Jerusalem, what it would have been meant to be from Jerusalem. What it would have meant to be from Jericho. But do we get the whole picture? I think about the bandits. Do we get the whole picture of their life? Do we get the whole picture of the Samaritan's life? No. And so when we start treating people by their labels, we're not taking the time to understand the beauty that exists inside of them and how God made them and what potential they have in this world. When we treat people according to their label, we give ourselves excuses to not have compassion for them. I mean, that's exactly what happens in this story, is you have um, a Jewish priest and a temple assistant. They were Jewish, and by their moral code, let's just call it that, by their moral code, they um, were not allowed to touch something that might be dead because that would make them unclean. And if they wanted, in their moral system to have the status that they had, and to live by the label they wanted to live by, they had to make sure they didn't touch anything too dirty, too unclean. And so in that moment, they see somebody who might be dead, he might be alive, like there's a chance. Remember, he's 50-50. He's got a 50-50 chance. He's half dead. They could have crossed to the other side of the road and done whatever it would have taken to revive the man and gone through whatever course of actions they would have needed to take to, to, to deal with their moral code and their moral system. See, here's, here's what happened, and i got a slide for this too. So here's what happened inside of the hearts of the man, the, the priest and the temple assistant. Oh, go back one. Because the priest and the temple assistant were more concerned about the labels in life, their own personal labels, they failed to cross the street and help a hurting person. And Jesus is saying, man, I can't have that. (laughs) Man, if you're going to be following me, I just can't have that. We have to be willing to do what it takes to help people. And if that means risking labels, then we need to be able to risk it. See, Jesus came to establish a community that would do the work as unappealing, as unappealing as it might be. Look at that. One shot. One shot, y'all. To do the work, Jesus wanted to create a community that would do the work of doing the peeling to get underneath the labels. Now, it, again, it, it's not that the exterior doesn't matter at all. We all have differences, and differences need to be celebrated. But I think what supersedes that is the beauty underneath. The juicy stuff, right? The soul that exists in all of humanity, in all of creation, and how we have these souls. And so if we only spend time focusing on this, we're not going to get to the juicy, beautiful stuff underneath. I mean, what makes an orange an orange? It's, it's not just, you know, it's like, yes, the outside makes an orange an orange, but if you had just this, it's not an orange, right? It's, a, it's an orange peel. It, it needs everything together, and this is what's inside, and it's beautiful, and it's gorgeous, and it's how God intended it to be, and that's what we have to receive for each other in our own humanity, is do the work of being a community of people that will do the work of peeling off the labels to get to the juicy goodness underneath. And so um, what we're going to do is, is, during our last song, we've got a video, and, and then we got a last song. And um, what I'm going to have you do is, if you want to, you can come up and grab one of these oranges, okay? And you can take it home with you if you want. If this is a private thing for you, you can take it home with you, or you can do it here. But what I want you to do is I want you to practice Peeling. (laughs) I want you to think about maybe where do I need to say sorry in my life for a label that I have valued more than the name of Jesus? Where have I valued any kind of label more than the label and the name of Jesus? Because, uh, Paul, I've got a scripture for this too. I'm going to go ahead and have you put it up. In Galatians 3, verses 26 and 29, Paul says this. He says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all of you have been united with Christ in baptism and put on Christ like putting on new clothes. It's like that letter jacket I talked about earlier or those Jenko jeans, right? Is we put on things. And it's metaphorical, but it's also literal. You can put on Christ. You can wear His identity and His name more than you wear any other name. And so there is no longer Jew or Gentile. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. He's talking to a Jewish culture. And so he's trying to get them to understand that, you know, there's no more Jew and everybody else. We are all one once we receive Christ. Once we believe that he really was who he said he was. Once we believe that Jesus came to recreate the world and bring us along with him we start to realize that we are all his heirs, and God's promises doesn't belong just to one group of people, but to everyone who says yes to Jesus. And so during this last song, after the video, if you just need to say, you know what, God, sorry. I'm sorry for valuing a label that I've received or put on myself, just like that temple priest or the the temple assistant. I'm sorry. Sometimes I value... Other names more than your name. And, and you can take that and you can take it home and do it or you can just throw it away and emotionally release it as you physically release it. Just sorry, God, because Jesus forgives everything. And so you can just say sorry and let it go. You can say sorry, God, that I have labeled uh, another person specifically or I've labeled a people group. And I've not treated them with the humanity and the dignity that maybe they deserve. And so I'm just sorry. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for not seeing the beauty and only treating people by their labels. And so we're going to do a a video. I'm going to pray here. We're going to do a video, and then we're going to do one last song. And if you feel called or compelled, you can do that here. You can grab an orange and take it home. Um, But what I'd like to do right now is just pray. Let's just end with some prayer. So, Father God, we thank you so much uh, for your love, that you love us so incredibly well, no matter how much we fail. And boy, we fail every day. We fail a lot. And I think we just need to be honest about it and get over being prideful about it. (laughs) Just let go of the ego and just being willing to say, I fail 100 times every day. But Jesus, you're going to always save me 100, 101, 102, 103 and counting, just today. So we thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to put together metaphors and stories like the Good Samaritan that stick with us, and I just pray, Father, that you would give us the courage to live a life like the Good Samaritan and leave behind that old, sly Sylvester McBean.